Hey guys, welcome to the Hot Pulp Podcast. We are joined today by Dr. Masuma Rizvi. Uh, she is an international dentist who has done her training in Karachi in Pakistan, and she's now on the UCLA program uh, as an international dentist, becoming uh, a dentist who is able to practice in the USA. So, welcome. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Uh, very, very looking forward to this uh, podcast. It's been quite an interesting one that's uh, been on the horizon. Someone who's, you know, done dentistry now in two different places, probably two very different methods. So there's something we yeah, can exactly. kind of have a little look at and see what the differences are. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really uh, excited about this one. Um, yeah, I've been looking forward to it as well. Obviously, I've kept you away from bed. It's quite early in the US at the moment, but um we've got you on let's uh what's your kind of thoughts then from your initial stages when you were you know, younger and uh and thinking about what you wanted to do as a job why why did you stick with dentistry and then after that you decide you wanted to move to the u.s for dentistry as well um when i was a child we went for, you know, regular dental cleanings and stuff like that. And I was a very scared kid. And then it came to a point where my dentist decided that I need braces. And uh, then, you know, how when you get braces, you have to go to the dentist every two weeks. And then it became a routine for me. Yeah. And then when I saw my crooked smile turn into this beautiful smile, I'm not saying I have a beautiful smile, just straight teeth. It, it just... It just you got you know, more gave rise to that curiosity that yeah. what made that happen. And then I just stuck with it. And then like people who know me, they know that I'm crazy about dentistry. Mm. So then I just knew at that point that I have to become a dentist. And then I did my college, applied for dental schools, got into the first choice that, that there was and finished dental school and then life happened and yeah. then I decided to come to the United States and then the moment I was certain that I'm moving here I started working on what's the procedure what how the journey is going to be what I need to be doing yeah. to make my journey a little bit easier and uh, in my last year of dental school in Pakistan it's called a house job where you're just practicing as a dental practitioner in yeah. each of the dental fields that was the time when I started working on my NBDEs, which are National Board of Dentistry Examinations in the United States. And I started studying for that. And then as soon as I got here, and then I started my journey, which that we can elaborate it further. So in Pakistan, what's the kind of procedure for getting into dental school? Is it quite easy for you guys over there or is it, are there a lot of barriers to entry? Not barriers per se, but there is a straightforward path for yeah. which you have to work really hard because um, you're um, from grade 9th till 12th. Yeah. All of that matters when you're getting into dental school or medical school. So that's from like 14, 14 years old or so? Um, so. Not 14, not uh, 15. Okay, yeah. Around, 15, around 16, the 16, 17, 18. Yeah, yeah, when you're like in your peak teenage you have to be studying a lot and then all of those grades matter and then there's another examination it's called MCAT 
it's the same as in United States. Um, but in Pakistan, we don't have DATs. Right. We just have MCATs. So I took MCATs for which I studied really hard. Uh, so that mattered, and then it depends on the merit. There are like thousands of people applying, and then you have to make your spot. I yeah. got into a medical school, so I had a choice of picking dental school or a medical school, as my merit was a little bit higher. So you kind of had that latest kind yeah. of decision Yeah, to so make. I chose dental school on purpose. Right, okay. Yeah, so in the UK, obviously, it's very similar. We have to do GCSEs and then A-levels. Uh-huh. Yeah. U- UK CAT is what we call it, so we've got something uh, probably similar. Uh, mm-hmm. But we have to apply for a specific school on a specific program. You don't get the kind of overall sort of things. They're quite similar. Um, yeah. Yeah, so obviously you went into undergraduate, done the dentistry. Um, was that a very traditional course? Was it lecture-based first and then going on towards um, clinical years so more and more? the main difference that I've been finding in my training back in Pakistan... Um, okay, we'll connect it back. So the, the main difference that I've been finding in my dental training here in the United States and in Pakistan, Pakistan was more based on theory, right. like reading the books, taking the exams. It was not focused on practice as it is over here. They, be, they, they teach you how to do it, and yeah. then they teach you what's the theory behind it. So it, it makes sense a little bit better when you're actually doing something. Yeah, you're doing it side so, by side. Yeah. yeah, so that was the difference. In, in Pakistan, the first two years were basic theory, no practicals whatsoever. Yeah. And then in third year, they put you in clinics, and then things started making sense. So they have their own ways here. There, there, there are other ways. What do you feel about the maybe quality of teaching? Is it is it just two completely different styles? But can you kind of quantify whether they're both at the same level, or do you know um, whether you found that one's helped you more than the other? Because obviously you've got different learning styles in different people. So now when I think about it, like here in US, it's making more sense to me. And now, like, I'm not sure it's making more sense because I'm doing it for the second time. You know what I mean? Like, when you're doing things the first time, it's a little, you're not very sure about it. Both of the schools, they taught us really well. Mm. Here, the the same thing again. The visual aids, the, the learning material, it's readily available here. So you can do your homework on your own. In Pakistan, we had to chase professors, can you give us this, can you give us that. Things were not readily available. It's just the resources, you know, we had limited resources in Pakistan yeah. rather than here in the U.S. Um, do you find there's a, are you treating patients in the U.S. currently? Um, uh, yes, we course, just yeah. started clinics, yeah, last month. Do you find that you're getting more clinical experience in here or in Pakistan because obviously in Pakistan there's a disparity in the relative wealth of people so there's probably a lot of people ready to have treatment. I treated a lot of patients in Pakistan Mm. and right now in the US it's too soon to say because it's only been one month. Oh right you're very close into it. Yeah so I started my program in May and we started clinics in July so it's just been a month of clinic. Yeah. And it's too soon to say in the US right now. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've got 
uh, insurance basis and so there will be people who are Happy yeah. and willing to turn up. There is there is yeah. big patient pool that we've got, yeah. and now when the school starts again, we when we start seeing them again, so just that. Yeah, uh, brilliant. Um, what do you do? You think it's different to what you kind of anticipated being in dental school, treating patients, to what you thought before you even started? If you can remember that far back. Mm, I don't think it's that different. I knew, like, I had friends who were in the program. Yeah. I was working with a dentist who was graduated from UCLA. So they had already prepared me what's coming up. Yeah. You know, what to expect, what not to expect, how you should be, you know, doing certain things to get the most out of the program. Yeah. So it's pretty much what I expected it to be. And it's going really well. So far, so good. Yeah. Um, Were there any alternatives that you had in mind before you started? Oh, yeah. Because I had hundreds. I was was very excited. So let me tell you a little bit about how this application process goes. It's called CAPIN. Yeah. It's a year-long process when you apply to schools. Then you have to wait like months to until the completion of the application date. Then there's an interview call. Then you go for an interview. Then they give you the results out. So it takes about 12 months, 18 months for you from applying to getting into the dental school. Yeah. So last year when I applied, I applied to almost 10 schools. And halfway through my journey, I hadn't gotten any interviews. I was a little, you know, hopeless, kind of. Yeah. So I I had done my boards and everything. So I was kind of, you know, rerouting towards a master's program in oral biology. Yeah. Because I was involved in research with uh, microbiome and everything like that. And I really, really liked it. So I was like, okay, fine. If not DDS, then I'll go do research, like make my career out of research. So I was already set, I was waiting for September 15th for the application to open for the master's program. Yeah. But then before September 15th, I got my interview call from University of Pacific and then the things got back on track again. Yeah, so then you start getting them rolling in. They're probably just a bit bit slow and... Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, I was kind of like on the edge of okay, fine. I don't. Uh, I don't. I'm not gonna do BDS anymore. What research okay. had you done uh, previously then? Uh, I have been involved in research with periodontology. So okay. periodontal microbiome is the main focus of stuff. So I have worked with BioLase, which is the lasers. Yep. So it was a research study to compare. Um, SRPs plus lasers and SRPs alone on the pocket reduction. Right, okay. That, and then there was an ortho study comparing the um, oral microbiome in patients with braces and clear aligners. So what would you your take home from those two uh, studies be for a general dentist? So we don't like reading the, the methods and we don't, we don't like you know, diving through the results. We just want to read the abstract and the and the conclusion. So for for the laser study, um, laser did not make that big of a difference that I would go suggest to a general dentist. No, you have to buy a bio laser machine. Right. No. 
if SRP is done well, they're the best way to go for pocket reduction. Yeah. And for the ortho study, of course, the airliners are better in plaque control because you can take the trays out, clean it, put them back in, compared to braces. But still, it depends on the cases. There are certain cases where you cannot give clear aligners whatsoever. Like you cannot. Yeah, this, this so, things they can't. But they then can't you have to teach them oral hygiene. Yeah. So, a lot of it's just kind of common sense, and it sounds like uh, <laughs> course, things that you yeah. things that you probably would have known, but you need some sort of study yeah. to back it up. Yeah. That we, to support it. Yeah, because a lot yeah. of the time we do things, and there's not a lot of money behind dental research. We yeah. kind of go, it seems this works. Mm-hmm. So we're going so, yeah, to continue to do it. Do it. <laughs> so you've just, yeah. you've ticked the box of saying, you know, this is the right thing to do or this yeah. is the, the way forward for it. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Let me go back onto my notes. So running back to DIDC, so Dow International College in Pakistan, how did you mm-hmm. find that course? Like what were the real strong points in in that in that course that you you found that really helped you since you've come to america that you don't have to kind of worry too much about certain things uh the fear of treating patients i don't have that fear anymore yeah that you know how to talk to patients how to tell them what to do and what not to do uh over here fortunately people have more dental awareness rather than what there was back in Pakistan. Yeah. But still, that initial fear of talking to the patients, treating the patients, it's not there anymore. So it's kind of a, you know, it's a good plus on my end that I can directly jump into treating the patients rather yeah. than overcoming that anxiety of treating them. So your hand's not shaking as you come in with a, with a burr? Not anymore. Um, yeah. Because um, yeah. I get that question a few times, um, since I'd started doing all this thing, there's some people asking me, oh, it's my first patient next week. What shall I do? Like, mm-hmm. this, uh, what's, what I say to them, just, you know, don't worry about it. There's people who's yeah. going to be looking over your shoulder in dental school. You, uh, if you're not sure of anything, just ask them and see, see how it goes from there. And just, just don't yeah. dive in and do something silly. Is that kind of what you would say or? You got anything to Funny ask? enough, I can give my own example. I still remember my first patient. Mm. It was oral surgery. And it was my first ever patient. Okay. And I block the inferior alveolar and the patient goes in syncope. Oh. Oh my god. I cannot forget that. I cannot. Yeah. But still, that's how you learn. That's how I learned how to treat a medical emergency in a dental setting. That was my supervising um, house officer. Then there were our teachers. So they made sure that everything's fine. You did yeah. not do anything. The patient's going to be okay. So it's just, fine. Had it's you just natural. Not eaten? Yeah. You know? Yeah. There is going to be that anxiety when you're treating your first patient. Yes. Whatever I say, it's not going to change it. So to clarify, so, it, it, was, it was the patient that collapsed, not you. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um I always remember we did um cannulation on each other and there were because oh, you know people do sedation so they cannulated yeah. everyone we were doing each mm-hmm. other and then see all the boys collapsing and fainting once it goes in it's just like oh you ca- you can't get it all, give it all the big ones anymore you know everyone's yeah. seen you faint with a little bit of blood so 
it's perfectly yeah. normal to you guys out there. We have that coming up. It's like mm. first um, week of our next quarter. We're going to be injecting each other. So let's see how that goes. Yeah. Have you not had an yeah. injection previously? Of course. Yeah. But still, you know. By someone who knew it. When, you're, when your friend is <laughs> blocking your nerve. Yeah. It's a little what, what are your best memories from your first degree then? Oh, my friends. Yeah. I miss my friends a lot. Has anyone made the they move were... across yet? I'm Any, sorry, what? Has anyone else made the move across to these the States? Uh, yeah, to join uh, uh, one of my friends from Nano School is here. She's taking her boards right now. Yeah, so, you, so you'll be together. Yeah. That'll, be, that'll be all good. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> um, any funny stories from uh, your first degree as well? You know, patient stories. Everyone's got something uh, that a patient did or a patient said that you just go, wow, that was just hilarious and... You kind of have to tell everyone. I think my first interaction with the patient was hilarious for me when yeah. I just, my patient just fainted in front of me. Um, what did you find difficult with that first degree as well? Obviously, everyone goes through the stage of going, oh, why did I choose dentistry? It's too difficult. Uh, let me just go and do something else. Did you have that or did you have like a period mm. where you were like, just a little bit thinking about what have I done? No. <laughs> So I think I did not get that phase in my dental career mm. because a lot of people, like a lot of my friends who passed out dental school and they were having a hard time deciding what to do next or not finding a job that they were looking for. Yeah. That's the period when they're like, oh, why did we go to dental school? We should have done this. We should have done that. So with me, I luckily, I did not feel any of that ever because when I like I finished my dental school over there and the same month I flew out here yeah so there wasn't a you know that stagnant period in my dental career I was constantly doing something and in my third year of dental school back in Pakistan I had decided what I have to do after dental school like I had my residencies lined up I knew when I have to apply so maybe that's why it didn't it never happened none of the things that I planned yeah, yeah, none of the things that I planned worked out, but still, there was yeah. never a time where I was like doubting myself right. for doing that. That's that's yeah. quite good then. Obviously, you've picked something quite early on in your life where you're you're in a happy about it. Whereas maybe some people weren't hundred percent sure. Maybe that decision yeah. come a bit early for them, and then you know they get around maybe that's the thing about me that if i set my mind to something i'm gonna do it like i'm not gonna stop until i do it so maybe that's why like yeah it never happened and finally on your first degree what are the biggest tips that you would give someone who's going through the degree back in karachi kind of the big tips for those guys study every day we used to, yeah, I get it that you get tired after school, I get it, but mm. you have to do it, you know, because the thing is that you cannot get, you cannot understand the concepts of dentistry on one-time read. Maybe you'll clear your exams on one-time read, I get it, but you're yeah. treating a human life, so you have to respect that, and you cannot get that clear understanding on just one read, because the books that we're using they're 
big books, you know, they're, they, ha they have so much knowledge in it. Like there's so much information that you have to grasp on. Yeah. And I don't think it's humanly possible for anyone to get it on first hand read. So, like, if I can do something better, if I go back, that's that one thing question. that I would change. I would study every single day and and, and study it until I get it. Yeah. There were a lot of concepts that I that that got cleared when I was doing my NBD part one or part two, and it shouldn't have been like that. Yeah. Like our focus was just to clear the exams so we can move forward. Yeah. When you when it comes to reading patients, it, it it hits you that oh I wish I, I I would have done that. Oh let me go read it back again. You know what I mean? So just just respect that human life that you're treating. It's not like you're not repairing a phone or something. I you're treating with a human life. That's definitely something that I myself experienced, you know. Mm -hmm. We got through the exam and then I find myself having to text or message one of my old tutors back in dental school. I remember you vaguely saying something about this. What was? What did you mean? How? How do you do this? And he goes, yeah. "We did try to tell you this. It was relevant for your future, but you yeah. guys just wanted to pass the, pass the yeah. competencies, pass the exams." Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's definitely really, really good advice. And you've also answered my next question, which is, "What would you do differently?" So we're, yeah, we're two for two I would there. study a lot more. Um, yeah. Obviously, you're still in dental school. So now, what's your kind of plan for the for the future? Um, after you finished? After I have finished. Uh, as of right now, I really want to go do a residency in periodontology. Hmm. And I am focused on that. I'm working towards it. But, you know, one thing that all of this journey has taught me is nothing is certain. No. So just focus on what it is right now. So I'm trying to focus on dental school right now, one step at a time, what's going on right now, instead of worrying about what future has planned for me. Yeah. So whatever's planned for me, it's going to happen. I should just focus on what it is right now. But I would love to go to a residency in Peru. Are there any things that you're doing currently which are kind of building your CV for that? Uh, I'm involved in implant study club at school, in perio study club at school. Yeah. Trying to take courses and stuff like that just to, you know, give me a better sense of perio. I, before I started school, I had done a preceptorship program in periodontology yeah. at UCLA itself. So, those kind of, like that preceptorship was the main gateway for me to, you know, introduction of periodontology. So that's where I learned that I love perio, and I want to do it in the future. What, what are your thoughts on the new classification system? Oh, wow. <laughs> so it just came out when we started the program. Yeah. And all of the teachers were frustrated. Oh, they came out with another classification. So for us, it was easier because we we, didn't, we were not taught the older one. one. Yeah. So we just learned the new one. So you, you start from there. A lot of people say that it, it seems like it's made for the academics and doesn't yeah, have so much most relevance. most of the practitioners say that, yeah. It doesn't have so much relevance to someone who's trying to treat it because it's the same disease and the the way you treat it hasn't changed. It's just what you're calling it and yeah. there's still flaws. So when I, was, when I was learning the classification during the course, I was like, okay, if the patient has this and this, what's going to be the grade? Yeah. If this is the so I go to my professor and she's like, yeah, it's more like of a you know theoretical thing. It doesn't happen in real life, and I don't know what like 
all of the professors were like, I, we don't know why they came out with this. Yeah, it, so, it feels like they're just trying to go in line with things like cancer, you know, grading and staging things. Yeah. So to patients, it makes maybe more sense poten potentially. Or maybe scares yeah. them more. I think it probably scares them more than making sense more. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so obviously it's not really changed how we treat things. We're still doing deep scales. and Yeah, we're doing the same like things. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are your tips then if you're you're getting in if you're a, a new student coming from overseas wanting to get onto a program advanced learning program what are the step-by-step -step things that you would be looking at in your kind of flowchart of do this first do this next and then uh, then apply first be very proactive do not sit at home and just study for your boards Go out there, get the experience, talk to people a lot more than you would. That was one of the things that I had to step out from my comfort zone. Yeah. I had to network a lot. And that's what helps you. People guide you, people help you, they tell you, go do this, go do that. Go talk to the professors. While you're doing all of that, start on your NVDE preparation. One thing that I would have like I would change in my journey was that I would have prepared for my MBD part one back at home. So when right. I came here, I could have just taken my boards right there and then. So I don't have to spend a lot, a lot more time in just studying for part one. When you got to America, yeah. Yeah. So okay. I would have, I would change this in my journey that I would have studied for it before I came to US. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Uh, yeah, I was asking you just before we cut off, uh, mm -hmm. how you found the move on more of a personal level. Have you found the move from Pakistan to the US kind of smooth sailing? What have been the challenges there? It wasn't smooth sailing at all. It's just the work ethic that you had in Pakistan. It's, it, it's not going to work in the United States. You have to be proactive. You have to be one step ahead of your game if yeah. you want to succeed. So I would say prepare for your NBDs, like at least for part one before you get here. So you yeah. can just take part one maybe in the first two weeks of your life in the United States. So you don't have to spend a lot more time just in a library or somewhere just sitting and studying. Yeah. I would rather prefer going out, talking to other dentists, talking to professors, network yourself out, talk to people because they help, they guide you in the right way. And yeah. you need guidance over here. Yeah. You cannot just do it on your own. You have to talk to people, go out there, tell them, tell them about yourself, tell them, show them that you're desperate to do dentistry. Right. You want to learn here in the United States since you're making a life in a different country. You would want to have those skills, that improvement in your skill set to practice in a country where you plan to have your life in the future. Yeah. Um, have you found kind of people welcoming when you've got across there? You know, has it been yes. easy that side of things? Is it, you, you hear different, different things. Obviously, there is the whole... Uh, Kind of right wing side of things and maybe in the media a little bit but the people when so, i've been have been quite nice so there's two sides of that coin. you'll find all sorts of people everywhere yeah you just have like if you're not going to talk to anyone you're not going to find good or bad 
you know. Or if you go to a person and he or she says no to you, you cannot just be like, no, everyone's like that. You cannot generalize it. Like yeah. So myself, when I came here, I was in the middle of my part one, part two. I was trying to get a job as a dental assistant. And I was interviewing for jobs and there were a lot of places. They just, they just, they, weren't going for it. they didn't even like me in the interview. Mm. It broke my heart, yes. It broke my confidence, yes. But what if I had just taken their nose and just sat at home that, oh, I'm not good enough, you know? You have to have that faith in yourself. You have to have that support system around you that builds your confidence back up. Yeah. Then after, like, several rejections, you find that right place. You find the right place. It's going to give you a chance. It's going to give you... The, the right learning that you need. Yeah. I still I still thank the doctor that I worked for over a year. He, like, until the last time I talked to him was Friday, which was two days ago, and he's still really welcoming. He's very much respecting of the fact that I have done this before. Yeah. And I can't do it again. So right, you yeah. need to find that right person. Um, so, yeah, that that's one thing. And then more socially have you found it easy to find yourself in kind of like a good group of people who you know you can go out and relax with um of course so one of the steps in this advanced standing dentistry is uh, the preparation for your bench exam yeah i lost you again Are we back on? I can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, as I was saying, one of the steps in this advanced standing uh, program is that you have to prepare for a bench exam, which is one of the requirements of getting into a dental school. Yeah. So, at uh, when I was preparing for my bench exam, I found two of my friends who I can call my best friends for life. All of us, we got into dental schools, all different dental schools, but still. Yeah. We got in the same year. We're still friends now and um, best friends for life again. And then in my dental school, I have a very, very good group of friends who I work with every day. Yeah. And then, yeah, so you get combined with traditional students as well who are very welcoming to you. Most of them, like, I have made friendships with yeah. a lot of them now, Brilliant. just in a period of two months. So is that, would Very you be in people. with the D3s, is that right? Or is it the D4s? Yes, D3s. D3s. No, D3s. Yeah. yeah. Okay, brilliant. I think I knew some of those guys uh, yeah. from uh, from everything. Um, yeah. What made you kind of, going back to the actual move, what, what, what made you want to move to America as opposed to staying at home? Um, are you the first person to have moved from your family or is there, do you have family links in no, the US yeah. as well? My sister moved out to Canada. She's a dental hygienist over there. Yeah. And I really wanted to do dentistry. So yeah. the place closest to Canada was US. The US yeah. Also, I found my husband here. So that now makes I have things easier. Life. Yeah, that makes things yeah. easier. Yeah, that, that's always an interesting question because... Um, it's a big move to move, you know, away from your parents and yeah. that sort of thing. But if you have family o- across there already, then mm-hmm. that makes things easier. Um, yeah. I have all of my family here. Yeah. So 
that makes you know that's the support that I have. All those times where I started doubting myself, this was these were the people who I came back to, and they helped me get back on track. Yeah. That you can do it. You have done it before. It's not like you're doing it for the first time. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that's that, that's always an interesting one because obviously I have mm-hmm. family everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. In Pasadena, my uncle's there, and then we had family mm-hmm. in Canada, a lot in Michigan as well, mm-hmm. the Detroit area. So there's, oh, there's always like connections. Yeah. I've I've found that yeah. there's crazy connections between kind of yeah. Dennis. You end up knowing everyone, so it's actually quite good that way as well. That's why you yeah. have to network yourself. Everyone knows everyone. All the yeah. dentists across US and Canada they know each other somehow. There's this weird connection between all of them. <laughs> um. Kind of on that, have you been to any conferences in the US? No. Uh, I'm currently looking at the Chicago conference in the midwinter 2020, uh, February. I can't work out how mm-hmm. to get into it. I've emailed them. I'm trying to work it out. But those are a great way. Uh, so yeah. Definitely, I'm going to be there. So any guys who are watching this, um, yeah. drop me a line. We, I'll be around. Yeah, I have been really into CDA, which is California Dental Association. Of course, I live in California, so I want to network out here. I've been going to the conferences. I've been volunteering at this event called CDA Cares, where uh, a a lot of the dentists from the U.S., they volunteer to treat patients from low socioeconomic area free of charge. It's a pretty awesome event. Yeah, one is coming up on September 28th as well, and now I'm going as a dental student. Yeah. That and then there is there are local components like I live in San Fernando Valley, which is part of California, Los Angeles. So I am enrolled in the Dental Society of San Fernando Valley as well. So they give you CE courses, they give you workshops, you go out there, you talk to people. Yeah. And all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um moving away from dentistry now, I think we've covered quite a lot there in, you know, what you're up to and your plans for the future and all that sort of thing, how to get into dental school if you're doing either back in Pakistan as a, an undergraduate and also as an international standing dentist to, to come and work in the US. What do you kind of do in your free time? What are your goals outside of dentistry? The goals outside of dentistry is that I want to have a bakery right next to my dental office in the near future. So I you, am a baker. You create the I patients love... and then send them across. Is, it, is that the idea? Yeah, that's like my <laughs> trick. Go, go to the bakery. It's gonna rot your teeth. Come back to me then. Yeah. This yeah, for anyone who's yeah. you know gonna sue. This was a joke. Just you know, don't get too. Yeah, much yeah, it was a joke, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and other things that you do in your free time. Have you got any like sports or things that you're into? Uh... Not sports, but I like do bake and I like to do artsy stuff a lot. Okay. I do crafts. I decorate my house with all the crafts. I like throwing parties. If yeah. anyone wants me to decorate their party or something. I'm a big party planner. Okay. That yeah. sounds fun. I love arts. So maybe like a, you could run some of the CD, CDC meetings or something? Yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> Get everything going. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, a DIY workshop by Masumarizi coming soon. <laughs> um, moving towards like, this is a question that's really random. And I thought it was great to add in. What's your favorite conspiracy theory? It can be something completely random. 
Uh, I think I've stumped you. Completely stumped you here. Uh, uh, I don't believe in conspiracy theories. I follow them on Instagram though. Yeah. They're like, whoa. What's the craziest? Oh, the conspiracy what's the craziest theory one? of Instagrams listening to you? Like it happens sometimes. I definitely have that. I don't know. I, 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 I've yeah. spoken about. I don't know. A car that's gone past, and then I'll get an advert for one. I'm like, yeah, wow, that's. I don't even think that's a conspiracy. I think Sometimes the thing that you just think about pops up on your Instagram. So I don't know how that happens. How? What's that happened to you with? Has it been like? Uh, I don't remember exactly, but there was something that I was thinking about, and uh, and one of the story ads that come. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's true or not, but it happens definitely. Maybe on, there were some pants or a dress that I was thinking of getting. <laughs> it was something like that, yeah. Um, kind of moving back to Instagram, how have you found that's helped you with your uh, networking once you moved to the US? Um, and what kind of things, if people are wanting to follow you, are you posting on there? What, what, why would someone, you know, jump on and my, hit the follow button? My dental Instagram, yeah. it's not more for me. It's for other people. Right. I made it when I got into dental school, and I thought that, okay, yeah, these were the things that helped me through my journey, so I want to help other people because I didn't have a lot of help as, you know, from the past candidates. Yeah. So I wanted to help people out because there are so many uncertainties that you face when you're going through that journey, and I wanted to answer all the questions. I, I still try to answer all of them. Sometimes when school gets crazy, I get like I get a lot of messages backed up yeah. to answer. But I try to you know reply to all the emails, review all the personal statements. Like I think I reviewed 10, 15 personal statements in a matter of two months when the capit cycle started in March. Right. Wow. So yeah, yeah, I was happy. I was happy. It's not more for me. It's more for other people, and I'm, it gives me, it gives me the sense that I can help somebody. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, obviously, I've seen your stories. You get loads and loads of questions. What are the really oh. common ones that crop up? Just mm -hmm. to kind of address those, and yeah. what's the most common sort of things people are asking you? What should I do? I have done my DDS. I've done my BDS in India or in Pakistan. Now tell me, what should I do? That's an impossible so, question, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I keep saving all the question answers in that cafe highlight that I have on my Instagram. Yeah. So the first response that I give out to people is go through my highlight. If you don't find your question in there, ask me that. Yeah. Ask me specific questions like what do you have in mind? Guide me for the life in the United States is a very broad. It's an open question. Very broad question. So there are a lot of things involved. There are visa statuses involved. There are what do you want to do in the future? Do you want to go in academia or you want to be a clinician? You want to do research? There are so many things. Yeah. So many things. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of most of the things that I wanted to ask you and see what you're kind of uh, interested in. Um, mm -hmm. Are there any things that you kind of want to get out there and that will really help people who are out there? Just that stay focused. Yeah. And do not 
do not start with your journey to DDS if you are not 100% sure that you want to be a dentist. It's a hard, it's a very hard, cooling, you know, it, it takes a lot out of you yeah. just to be on that track. It's not very easy. It takes a lot of hard work. But for those who are 100% that they want to do dentistry, I just want to make sure that it's going to be worth it. When you get into this program, it's all worth it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's definitely something that can be said. You know, it's it's not for everybody. Just because mm. you might be really yeah. academic, it might yeah. not be the right thing because you ought, you have yeah. to sit there and you have to physically treat someone a lot of the time unless you're going to go down academics. <laughs> you know, and do studies and stuff like that. It is a physical... You won't be job. able to take that amount of stress if mm. you are not 100% about it. Like, if I wasn't this crazy about doing dentistry, I don't think I would have done it. Yeah. And all of the, all the like, the rest of the 19 people who are with me in this program, they're all, like, super out there, you know? Yeah. On the edge of just doing, like, Tipping off the scale of crazy for the industry. I think it's almost a job requirement, yeah. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider joining the Dentist Premium server on Patreon. Uh, there are a number of great benefits, and I hope to see you in there soon. And thank you for watching the channel, and make sure to tune in next time. Thank you.